Welcome to Knowing Him. This is Steve Danielson. And this is Angie Danielson. Join us each week as we explore the hymns of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and share our feelings, insights, and reflections about how each one brings us closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy your favorites and find some undiscovered gems in our journey to knowing Him. Welcome, friends, to today's episode of Knowing Him. I'm your host, Steve Danielson. I'm here with my sweet co-host, Angie. Hi, Hi Angie. <laughs> so I often think of the term sweet when I think of you. Uh, if you were a fruit, I think you'd be a strawberry. And that's a very high compliment. <laughs> Thanks. And sometimes mm. I also think, sweet, I get to do a podcast with Angie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of sweet. <laughs> different kind of sweet. Uh, we just had general conference this past week. It was pretty awesome. It's always an exciting time. Uh, for those of our listeners that are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, General Conference is a semi-annual two-day meeting of church leadership that's broadcast from Salt Lake City to the world. It's an intense spiritual feast. Uh, there's also always beautiful music from the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square and other visiting choirs. I was happy to hear Teach Me to Walk in the Light since we just covered that two weeks ago. Yeah. That was fun to hear. <laughs> Uh, and I was thinking about it that I actually had the inspiration to start this podcast during General Conference last October. So I got Angie on board with me and we turned out our first episode by the end of that week. So I guess this sort of makes this our one year anniversary podcast. Pretty exciting. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Happy anniversary. <laughs> I thought to celebrate, we would talk about a hymn. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty good celebration. <laughs> Today we are talking about hymn number 142, Sweet Hour of Prayer. And this week's hymn corresponds to the Come Follow Me reading in Philippians and Colossians. And it looks like I'm on deck for today's hymn, so let's see what we've got. Yep. All right, so we're going to start with the text of our hymn. This is by William W. Wolford. Also goes by www.williamwolford.com. <laughs> uh, very few details of his life are recorded. Um, he was born in 1772 in the Bath. Oh, I mean mm -hmm. in Bath, England. In the, <laughs> not uh, in the bathtub. Not in the bathtub. <laughs> in Bath, England. Uh, attended Homerton Academy, ordained a minister in the Congregational Church, uh, pastored at Suffolk, Norfolk, and Middlesex in England. Uh, also tutored classics at Homerton Academy, so that's Greek, Latin, language, culture, and history. Hmm. Uh, interesting thing about him, he was blind. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he was blind. He would compose sermons in his head to deliver on Sunday. <clears throat> and he actually memorized a large portion of the Bible because he couldn't read it, so he memorized it. That's incredible. Uh, he was active with his hands. He was a whittler and could carve things. Uh, Shoehorns were particularly mentioned, uh, useful items that people could use. That was also impressive with him being blind. Yep. <laughs> uh, Reverend Thomas Salmon, um, or Salmon, not sure exactly if it's Salmon or Salmon. Uh, another congregational church pastor relates the following testimonial about William Wolford. He said, quote, During my residence at Coles Hill, Warwickshire, England, I became acquainted with W.W. W. Wolford, the blind preacher, a man of obscure birth and connections and no education, but of strong mind and most retentive memory. In the pulpit, he never failed to select a lesson well adapted to his subject, giving chapter and verse with unerring precision, and scarcely ever misplacing a word in his repetition of the Psalms. Every part of the New Testament, the prophecies, and some of the histories, so as to have the reputation of knowing the whole Bible by heart. There were some of his followers that said he knew the whole thing from beginning to end. 
So I wonder how, on, I'm not sure. I wonder how he learned the Bible. My guess mm-hmm. is somebody someone read, it, read it and he had enough repetition that he was able to commit that to memory. It's really impressive. Yeah. I, Reverend Salmon also relates this following story about the hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Uh, he was visiting with uh, William Wolford, and he, re- quote, he repeated two or three pieces which he had composed, having no friend at home to commit them to paper. He had laid them up in the storehouse within, meaning within his mind. How will this do, asked he, as he repeated the following lines with a complacent smile touched with some lines of fear lest he subjects himself to criticism. I rapidly copied the lines with my pencil as he uttered them and sent them for insertion in the Observer if you should think them worthy of preservation. And the New York Observer did think them worthy of preservation. Mm -hmm. And they were published on September 13th, 1845. So just Uh, as a poem? Just as as text, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, the sources for this, these quotes and this information comes from uh, Nutter and Tillett, the hymns and hymn writers of the church, and an annotated edition of the Methodist Hymnal, uh, as well as Christianity.com. I uh, got information from both those places. Uh, Wolford died uh, June 22nd, 1850, about 78 years old. Uh, interesting, some have cast doubts on the truth of the whole story. Uh, there's no evidence that Wolford was ever in Coles Hill. Hmm. So perhaps Thomas Salmon was incorrect in his recollection. Was there another William Wolford that got gets conflated one with the other? It It's really unclear exactly, but the text is still attributed to William W. Wolford. Yeah, I was noticing that it says attributed to him and at the bottom of the hymn. So yeah, it, there, there is some debate about it. Um, it, it's possible there was also another Reverend Wolford that may possibly have written this and it wasn't this other guy, but it may have been this guy (laughs) and this other guy was in Coles Hill. You know, it's, it's hard to trace definitively. Um, but the music, we're going to turn over to our musician, William Batchelder Bradbury, uh, born in 1816 in York, Maine. He was raised on a farm. It said on rainy days he would spend his days in the shoe shop. Hmm. I guess they sold shoes on the side. Uh, but he practiced music whenever he found time. I'm not sure exactly what he was practicing. Perhaps violin and singing. I'm not sure because it wasn't until 1830 uh, when his family moved to Boston that he first saw and heard an organ and piano and other instruments. How old would he have been then? Uh, he would have been, what, about 14? So he was doing some other musical self-teaching. Yeah. And then they moved to Boston in 1830. And while they were there, he attended Lowell Mason Singing School. We talked about Lowell Mason before oh, yeah. right. in connection with Joy to the World. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's called the father of American church music. And he had some singing schools uh, in the area. And he, Bradbury actually got a job uh, with Dr. Mason's choirs um, and made $100 per year playing organ for his choirs. $100 a year. $100 Sounds a pretty year. good. I know. I know. <laughs> Need to get on that bandwagon. <laughs> uh, he moved for a time to Canada soon after he got married, but then soon returned to Boston. Apparently they didn't like his work in Canada. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then he moved to Brooklyn, New York to take over the music and organ at First Baptist Church of Brooklyn. Uh, and then he did similar work at the Baptist Tabernacle in New York City. And then he started a singing school. And as a result of his singing school, 
there started more singing schools across New York City. So it mm. was like this burgeoning thing that happened That's across cool. New York City, which resulted in music festivals happening. Uh, at one, he conducted a 1,000-voice children's choir. Wow. And because of that, music started being taught as a regularly regular study in public schools. Oh, wow. Because of him. Because of him. Because oh. of this work that he was doing, the public schools started saying, oh, there's interest in music from these children. We need to include this in our curriculum and what we're teaching. So, like, what about what year did that start in public schools? Uh, that would have been in the eighteen early 1840s. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that early on. Although it looks like he says he died here in 1868. So, I don't know. I was just thinking of it being more of a 20th century addition to (laughs) the school curriculum. I think it depends. I I don't think it started everywhere. This is just a New York City thing. And I think it took time to get other places. Interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, even we read a couple weeks ago in that um, Salt Lake City music journal um, that music was being debated in the public schools uh, in like the 1860s. So it it took Took time to get different pockets. I can't believe he conducted a 1,000... 1,000 children at the same time. That seems overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how old this was. Is this like... Teenagers Five-year-olds all the way up to 18-year-olds. I mean, what, what is the age of this children's uh, choir? Not entirely sure. Uh, it was around 1847 or so that he started writing and publishing music. Uh, he traveled to Europe with his wife to study the works of the music masters in London and Germany. Uh, interestingly, he was actually sort of in town for the funeral of Felix Mendelssohn. Oh, So he attended that. (laughs) That's Uh, crazy. And then he returned to the U.S., began teaching, conducting conventions, composing, and editing music books. Uh, He he edited 59 books of sacred and secular music, uh, much of which he wrote. Uh, He was able to edit that and publish that. He composed Sweet Hour of Prayer in 1861. I just was familiar with the text Mm-hmm. from William Wolford uh, and put this tune to it. And the tune quickly became sort of standard. This is the tune that you're going to find Sweet Hour of Prayer. Uh, it's very hard now to find Sweet Hour of Prayer to any other tune. Yeah, I was wondering, had it been put to tu- other tunes before? <clears throat> yeah, it it's in common meter. And so any hymn tune that, that can use common meter, you could put it to that. Uh, but his tune... Bradbury's tune became sort of the the gold standard for this text. And like I said, it's very hard to find an addition out there now with a different tune. Hmm. Uh, Let's see. So it first appeared in print with the text and tune in Bradbury's collection, Golden Chain of Sabbath School Melodies in 1861. So uh, soon after he wrote the melody, he published it. And unfortunately, he contacted tuberculosis in the last two years of his life, and he died in 1868. Yeah, he died young. Yeah. So just a little bit about this song now, sort of putting this all together. So we've talked about prayer before, uh, the importance of prayer uh, in our lives. Uh, You know, it's how we communicate with our Father in Heaven. So here's the question, what makes prayer so sweet? I mean, we say at the beginning of each of these verses, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. What makes prayer so sweet to you? 
It's an interesting question. Sometimes we just sing the hymns and don't really think about what, <laughs> what we're saying. But I guess it's sweet because you're you're developing a relationship with your Heavenly Father and you're, I guess, taking yourself away from the, the rest of the world. Like this says, the next line says, that calls me from a world of care. Yeah. So you're separating yourself from the worldly things and focusing on your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Would you mind reading the, the text to us? Sure. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer, and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, thy wings shall my petition bear to him whose truth and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless. And since he bids me seek his face, believe his word, and trust his grace, I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. nice to to like actually say the words and like think about what it's actually saying like um make all my wants and wishes known you know like we can go to the lord and tell him anything Mm -hmm. and talk to him and have a conversation with him the line that stood out to me as you're reading was in seasons of distress and grief my soul hath often found relief i mean that's that's one of the things I love about prayer is the ability to just pour out your heart and say, Heavenly Father, I need your help or I just need you to listen. I just need someone to talk to. Yeah. And then this next line of oft escape the tempter's snare. So prayer helps us to be able to resist temptation and fight off the things that we might otherwise just do, you know, go ahead and do, but I can resist that. Yeah. I liked the the last line as well. I'll cast on him my every care and wait for the sweet hour of prayer. It, it's sort of interesting because the, the text is almost like you're addressing prayer. Like, or not even prayer. You're addressing this, the time of prayer. The time that you have in supplication. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that is what is so sweet. Is and I think it goes back to the first line that calls me from a world of care. It takes you out of the world, out of the turbulent place we're in, and it brings you into a place of spirituality. It brings you in contact with your father in heaven. I think that's what makes it so sweet. It's like going to the temple mm-hmm. where you're you get to put away the things of the world for the time that you're there and you don't have to put it back on until you walk back out the doors. Like you just can separate yourself from all the worldly cares out there. And prayer is just like that. It's like your own own mini temple when you pray. It's 
Wonderful. Yeah. I I thought it was interesting. I was I was just reading on one website. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I've referenced it in other another podcast. It's a it's a United Methodist Church po- uh, website um, that was talking about this hymn, and one of the funny things I found on there was they kept they kept saying this hymn really isn't good to sing in a congregation because it's not talking about congregational prayer. And I was like, no, I, don't, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's not. It's talking about our private prayer. And they're like, maybe people should just sing this in their own private devotions. And I was like, I don't, I don't agree with that. Why would, yeah. <laughs> why would that be the case? I don't know. I mean, um, I think it's beautiful to talk about our own private prayer and how important that is yeah. and not just focus on the importance of congregational prayer but and, focus on our prayer. You know, even when we're singing in a congregation it's often a very personal experience anyway yeah, yeah. and yeah. i think we're uniting our voices on our testimony of this of prayer and of how sweet it is and so yeah anyway i thought that was <laughs> odd <laughs> Uh, there's actually a third verse that uh, Wolford wrote. Um, it was actually the second verse, and we have left it out of our um, out of our hymnal. So I'm going to read the words to you here. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, the joys I feel, the bliss I share of those whose anxious spirits burn with strong desires for thy return. With such I hasten to the place where God my Savior shows his face and gladly take my station there and wait for the sweet hour of prayer. So the reason it was left out of our hymn book is because of the phrase, God my Savior, which uh, is more of a Trinity theology and does not line with Latter-day Saint theology. I heard it when I was looking at different websites, I saw a different verse than that one. Huh. Then, yeah. I don't know. That's the one I saw in hymnary as well. It was Interesting. That one I just read. Might have been a different one that someone else wrote. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. So those, I mean, those are the three that Wolford wrote, or the two that we have in that third mm-hmm. one. Uh, anyway, I, I'd like to turn to our "Come Follow Me" reading for the week. Um, so I, <laughs> the hymn for this week, or that the manual suggests, is "Rejoice, the Lord is King." But we already did that one. We covered that hymn <laughs> back in episode 25. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Uh, so I actually turned to the scripture index in the back of the hymn book to see if there are any scriptures related to the hymns that fit this week's reading. And I found this, I uh, found Sweet Hour of Prayer that references Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. And uh, it's one of the hymns referenced at the bottom of the hymn. It also fits into the heading that I liked from this week's Come Follow Me, uh, which is I can find joy in Christ regardless of my circumstances. Um, that one caught my attention and I, I thought that that's an important thing. And I want to read verses 6 and 7 because that goes with our, our hymn. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all, passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So I, I like the fact that it mentions thanksgiving. Uh, I think oftentimes our prayers become a wish list of things we want Mm -hmm. and we need to spend time in our prayers 
thanking the Lord for what we have as well. Um, and I think that helps our prayers become that much more sweet. Uh, if we are taking time to be grateful and thinking about all the blessings that Heavenly Father has given us, then we develop a much closer relationship with him before we sort of start our laundry list of things we want to ask him for. Reminds me of, I can't remember which general authority it was, or although I want to say it was Elder Bednar. I heard a story one time about like this family had um, a general authority, an, an apostle in their home, and he asked them to to each go around and say a prayer and only thank Heavenly Father for things. Don't ask for anything. And he had each individual in the family say a prayer. And they said at first it was really hard. You know, like they wanted to automatically start asking for stuff. And they really had to stop and think. And it changed yeah. how they felt about prayer. Yeah, if you've, if you've never tried that before, I recommend it. It is a challenge at first to just say a prayer of thanksgiving and not ask for anything at all and just say, I am so thankful for all of these different things and not just in general terms, but very specifically, yeah. I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. Um, and I even think this family had just gone through some sort of tragedy or something. Mm -hmm. That's probably why they had an apostle visiting their home. Yeah. And so that was even harder you know, <laughs> what did they have to be thankful for? But they, they were able to do it, and it changed them. Well, speaking of which, I want to jump to verse 13 of Philippians chapter 4. Uh, this is also in the section, and this is one our family knows well. Um, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Um, I think a lot of people know that scripture yeah, really well. <laughs> I, I should mention um, several years ago, what, like, 2015 or something like that. I, don't I started writing scripture songs for our kids to to learn uh, to learn scriptures, and so I'd write out a melody, and we'd spend a week memorizing it. Anyway, this one I wrote as a round, which I regretted doing <laughs> <laughs> because the kids absolutely love singing this one as a round, and they always want to be the last one. To, so they would never sing. stop. So they would never stop. <laughs> I had to ban it for a while. <laughs> no Philippians 4:13. Anyway. So I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Uh, when have you found strength to do hard things through Christ? Um, was it a time that you can remember? <laughs> I was going to say like every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, um, I think that's a valid point. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is when I was a missionary. I mean, being a missionary is extremely difficult and I needed the Lord's help every single day. And I was speaking a different language and dealing with people that didn't want to talk to you and were mean sometimes, you know. <laughs> and you had to to gain strength from the Lord to keep pressing forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I I thought about our most current situation just having moved just you know, starting a new job, you're looking for work. The, I mean, we're just starting so many new things. Kids starting school, it's been uh, it's been a hard transition. Yeah, it, it's hard to get settled in a new place. Um, but having Christ with us has definitely 
been helpful. So we can we can do hard things when we know that Christ is with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to read one more. Verse 11. Could you read this for us? Sure. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. Okay, so whatsoever state I am in, or in whatever circumstance. Okay, so why is it so important to be content in every circumstance? Um, I don't know how to put it into words. I mean, if you're not, you're going to be miserable in every circumstance. Well, yeah. <laughs> Um, but we need to be happy and grateful for the things that we have. It makes life easier. Yeah. You know, if you're always looking at things that you don't have, then you're never going to be happy when you get those things. Yeah. You know, if you're not content where you are, then just changing your circumstances is not going to make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. You have to find the happiness, the contentness, where you are, when wherever you are. And then however your circumstance changes, you will still be content and you'll still be happy. And it, it's not because of outward influences. It's because you've prayed, you've made that connection with Christ. You can do hard things. And so you can be content wherever you are, even in the midst of trial. Even in the midst of really hard things, you can still find contentment. Maybe not, mm-hmm. maybe not complete happiness all the time, but contentment. You can be content knowing that Christ is with you. I think that's a powerful thing. It's more like an inner peace. An inner mm-hmm. peace, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to sing Sweet Hour of Prayer. Ready. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne, makes all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief, and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. And oft escaped the tempter's snare. By thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, thy wing shall my petition bear to him whose truth and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless. And since he bids me seek his face, believe his word and trust his grace, I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. 
I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. Well, friends, thank you for joining us today as we discussed the hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer. As always, it's a joy to be with you and to discuss the hymns. If you'd like to connect with us, please email us at knowinghim at gmail.com or contact us through our website, knowinghim.weebly.com. We'd love to hear from you, what you think about the podcast, or about the hymns. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us next week as we sing our way to Knowing Him. Thank you.